right, all right, all right. Day 255. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're uh, jumping right back into the book of Mark today, and we pick up with Mark chapter 5. And remember, Jesus is performing and doing his Galilean ministry, right? So he does, he does ministry in and all around Galilee in his bringing of the kingdom and his exercising of his uh, heavenly authority. And at the beginning of chapter five, we get this healing of a demoniac. So someone is possessed by a demon. And we remember at the end of four, uh, Jesus had just brought calm to this raging sea, right? And he does the same thing with the man possessed by demons, right? Only the things that one, uh, one of the things um, that Mark deliberately is going to show us is that the man who is possessed is possessed by what the text is going to call an unclean spirit. Very important. Now, the funny thing is, is that he takes the unclean spirit. Jesus uh, liberates this man from the unclean spirit and he sends the unclean spirit into an unclean animal. <laughs> right. And the animal, once they receive the unclean spirit, goes head first into the sea. What does this tell us? Well, the first thing that it says is that Christ has authority over all darkness, demons, and Satan himself, right? And they know who he is, right? And I think the beautiful truth that we can learn from this is that if they are afraid of him, we have no reason to be afraid of them, right? And and, and one of the things that the book of Mark is showing us, and uh, many scholars have said this, is that Jesus is bringing this new exodus, right? He's bringing this new exodus that was promised in the book of Isaiah. And in the Old Testament, remember, the people of God were released from physical bondage, and in Mark, they're released from a spiritual bondage to the powers of darkness. And remember, the text echoes the exodus narrative itself. It's so cool, because in the same way that um, when the Israelites were released from Egypt, from Egypt, uh, the armies, right? The enemies of God were drowned in the literal sea, uh, in the Red Sea. And here you have the demons being drowned in the sea as well. And so it's so cool. So many things uh, happen here. But again, Jesus is accomplishing uh, the he's bringing the kingdom of God, even in his earthly ministry, even before his death and resurrection. And uh, what happens after that? It's really cool, too, because this woman who is uh, who has been bleeding for 12 years uh, comes and touches Jesus and then Jairus's daughter who has died. Right. And, and Jesus comes into the presence of both of them and uh, he heals them. Right. And it's interesting because, again, in the Old Testament, if he had come into the presence of a dead person. Right. Based on Leviticus and uh, uh, someone who was on uh, the, the, the menstrual cycle, a woman, he he would be unclean himself. But he shows that he is not just a, a king, but he is uh, the king of all kings. He shows that he is God deity Yahweh in human flesh that is coming to make those who are unwhole whole and those who are unclean clean chapter six comes we see that before Jesus was an insider among outsiders, right? He was in the region of Decapolis uh, among a ton of Gentiles, but now he comes back home to Nazareth and he is an outsider among so-called insiders, right? So he comes back to the crib and cast his hating on him, right? Cast ain't believing him, right? Cast his hating on Jesus and he's rejected by his own people. Now it's interesting what happens after this. I love it. Mark is going to send, he's going to record the sending of the 12. So Jesus is going to call the 12 and send out the 12, right? He already called the 12 earlier, but he sends them out here. 
right after sending of the 12, we have Mark recording the beheading and persecution of John the Baptist. And then after that, he immediately goes back into the return of the 12, right? So the 12 go out and they come back. Now, these stories are all connected and laid next to each other for a reason. Remember, the gospel writers don't just tell us uh, the story of Jesus uh, by what they say, but how they even put it together, right? And the point Mark is trying to make by putting these moments of suffering around the commissioning and returning of the disciples is that similar to John the Baptist, right? The forerunner of Jesus. Listen, discipleship means going the way of suffering, right? It means going the way of the cross. We don't just follow Jesus as our king. We follow our king to the cross. So this means for us that, no, no, like as disciples of Jesus, we are willing to lay down our lives, right? For the sake of others. And oftentimes that hurts. <laughs> like that that ain't easy. <laughs> like, like that involves suffering that involves being misunderstood that involves hardship that involves sacrifice all things that don't feel good to our flesh and earthly nature but nonetheless what jesus calls us to and it's interesting because um you know uh they they the disciples literally here will be, be persecuted right i think mark wants us to wants us to see that they will be persecuted in line with uh their messiah but I love here that uh, we don't just serve uh, this suffering king, but we serve a compassionate king, right? So you see that Jesus is the one who uh, feeds the five feeds the five thousand, walks on water, right? He has compassion on the crowds. The text says because they are like sheep without a shepherd, right? And um, he is contrasted with King Herod, who in this same chapter, right, has this evil and impulsive heart on display. Um, and I think we're we're reminded that Jesus is not a king who comes and, 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 and rules us by coercion and force and violence, right? He, he comes and, and rules by compassion and love, right? And that's the kind of king uh, we, we follow. And that's the type of kingdom that God is inviting us into. Mark 7 comes. And once again, we see this dichotomy of those that oppose Jesus and those that follow him, right? So the Pharisees come and we talked about them in Matthew, how they are, are they have these traditions, right? Uh, they're asking why the disciples don't wash their hands, all this stuff. Um, and here Christ rebu rebukes them, right? Um, about putting their traditions on par with scripture. Now, remember, we have to be careful because we tend to do the same thing sometimes as well, right? We can't put our traditions and what people have always done on par with the actual text of scripture himself. Jesus has no room for that here in the scriptures and what Jesus shows them that what comes out is unclean, not what goes into a person. So in other words, the purity laws of the Old Testament were meant to point to morality, right? Ultimately, right? And those are the things that keep us from being able to approach God's throne, not outward, right? Empirically uh, verifiable phenomena, right? He's saying, no, no, the things that come out of us are the things that make us unclean before the Lord. In other words, it's our hearts <laughs> that are the problem, right? It's our hearts that are the problem that keep us from coming to the Lord. And right after this, it's so good because Mark is, again, he's, he's showing you Jesus more so than telling you about Jesus. He cleanses a, a, a Gentile woman, right? To show that the fine distinctions that they are making, right? The outward appearances, right? Uh, are, are the, the, the fine distinctions they are making miss the broader concept of the intention of the Lord, right? Um, and the theme that comes to the, the fore in Mark as well is that those who shouldn't get it, who should get it, don't. 
And those who seem like they wouldn't get it by outward appearances actually do. And that's what I love about Christianity, right? Like that this is different from many other faiths and not to disparage any other faith, but to highlight a distinction that you can't tell who walks with God, the God of the Bible, solely based on outward appearances, right? The faith is not demographically, ethnically, or culturally, or even racially captive. And in that way, it shows that the Lord, right, touches the hearts of people, right? And he shatters categories in ways uh, that we could never imagine. Chapter eight, last chapter of this bunch, um, Jesus heals the 4,000. Then after that, he tells them to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Here, though, the disciples don't understand, right, at all. And the text doesn't even say that he explains it to them. He rebukes them for not understanding. Now watch this. Right after that, he heals a blind man in stages. So good. So first, Christ touches his eyes, this blind man, and he can see better, but not clearly. He does it again. And the man can see not just better, but clearly. Why does he do this? Well, because what Christ is trying to show is that there is a type of blindness that is present in the disciples, right? And that they won't fully understand what and who Jesus is until he actually rises from the dead. So the kingdom of God in Mark is being unveiled, hear this, in stages, right? It's being unveiled in stages. They get it partially now, but not to, not fully until later. And so um, from there, right after that, Peter's confession of the Messiah happens. So from the middle of chapter eight, from verse uh, 27, right, when the confession starts to the end of chapter 10, Jesus will now be on the way to Jerusalem, right? And so they will be on the way. So it'll be uh, analogous to Luke's travel narrative, uh, Luke 9, 51 through 1927. And so um, here we will see, and, and the thing that Jesus is going to show on the way, he's, we will see that on the way to the cross, that the kingdom takes the shape of the way of the cross, right? On the way to the cross, the kingdom takes the shape of the way of the cross. Remember, I said if um, the kingdom of, is, is Jesus's main message, the cross is Jesus's main mission, right? And even the movement of the book, remember, uh, uh, the kingdom of God will come. Remember the Old Testament prophecy, a new exodus will come. You even see the movement of the book, fam, taking the pattern of the exodus, right? As prophesied in Isaiah, right? A deliverance from evil, right? Remember, we we, we saw uh, um, um, in the first eight chapters, Jesus is doing all of these healings, right? And then now there's going to be this journey along the way, analogous to the Egyptian wilderness narrative. And then there'll be an enthronement uh, ceremony, which we'll get to uh, in a few days where Jesus is enthroned in Jerusalem. The same thing happens uh, when the people of God entered the land in the Old Testament and the temple was built. But right after, again, right after the healing of the blind man, we have glimpses of the partial understanding. Peter makes a confession. Uh, he tells Peter not to tell no one. Now, it's interesting because in Matthew, he actually praises Peter, right? Matthew uh, 16. Um, but here he actually tells him to tell no one. And listen what he says after that. He says, then he began to teach them that it was necessary, hear this, for the son of man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed, rise after three days. Hear this, verse 32. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns now it's so much here but one of the things i want to say is that uh remember the parable of the sower so in the parable of the sower uh jesus talks about uh, some seed that falls along uh the path right and uh you know he talked about the, the 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 seed that falls along the path uh he says when they hear immediately satan comes and takes away the word sown in them and remember i said that um 
you know, reading the parable of the sower uh, is, is, is like reading uh, the responses of everybody that comes to Jesus in the book of Mark. So, so, so what many have pointed out is that uh, Peter is like the seed that's sown along the path, right? And, and they will argue that uh, Satan comes and takes away the word that Jesus spoke to him. So in other words, what happens here, what, what, what they, what they try to say is, um, is that, um, with Satan's, Satan's biggest thing with Jesus, remember his temptation, the thing, the thing that, that Satan wants is for Jesus not to go to the cross, right? Jesus, he doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross. And here Peter is acting in the same way. That's why he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it's so cool, right? He doesn't want him to go to the cross. Why? Because that's where the king accomplishes his victory in the most paradoxical, upside down way, in a way that we can't even see unless we have the eyes of faith, right? This Messiah is the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. And this is the center of the entire book, the turning point of the book. And it should be the turning point of our lives, right? As we learn that Jesus is who he says he is he is the messiah the anointed king who is going to bring in god's kingdom through his cross and resurrection right this has been promised for centuries but it's coming to fulfillment in uh the first century right and only listen only when we are with jesus in the end when the knowledge of god's glory has spread the face of the earth when what has happened inside of us is visible outside of us will we marvel and understand as best as we can, <laughs> the full implications of his work. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, for grace today. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't avoid the path of suffering because it is the path of discipleship, Lord. But we know suffering is not an end in itself. Uh, there is no death in the kingdom without a resurrection. And so, Lord, we pray that we would keep our eyes uh, towards you uh, who modeled that.